Argentina. We are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times that are coming to you just moments after WrestleMania 36, the biggest show of the year, has gone off the air. That's right. This is the WrestleMania 36 Instant Analysis Podcast. You know them, you love him, and the Silver King is here to deliver them. Not going to waste too much time in the intro. You guys know the drill. It's all about the five. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us the five-star review, leave us some words of encouragement, let us know that you love the Instant Analysis Instant Reaction Podcast. And don't forget, please tell your friends to listen to Getting Over. Have them hit the subscribe button and follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Of course, you can follow me at Silverstein Adam, and you can join my guest tonight, Jack Crosby at J Crosby CBS. Jack, that was indeed a WrestleMania, and we are going to break it down. But I think before we intro the show and start breaking down these matches, got to crack a beer, man. It's it's eleven. It's almost eleven thirty on the East Coast. I know. Oh, you have a cooler. I brought a cooler. It's a blue I, and white. I, 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 I brought a cooler of beer. Yeah, Look, this it, is... it's too big for just one night. Yeah, too big for just one night. Too big for just one beer. Uh, we're breaking this down, not just instant analysis style, last call style. That is the opening of one of the best beers I've actually had in quite a while. Shout out to the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Company, whatever the brewer is that makes that beer. They have a Kentucky coffee barrel beer. It is absolutely delicious. I love the vanilla barrel. I love the bourbon barrel, but the coffee barrel, another level. Jack, what do you have over there? Yeah, see, this is just Miller Lite. I'm slumming it. <laughs> Horrible. I'm just, slumming it tonight. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a typical Jack Crosby selection. If it's, not a, <laughs> if it's not a yingling, if it's not a natty, it's a Miller and just... <laughs> I mean, we need we need to we need to get you grown up over there, man, because there are no. better beers. There are better beers in this. I'm in this not world. an IPA guy. I I, I don't. I this don't is do this is not an IPA. It's a nice Brewery. ale like with coffee. Beer. I, I don't do that. I, I that's delicious. Well, look, we are not here to talk about beer. We are here to talk about professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever the hell you want to call it. And listen, WrestleMania 36 was about as unique of a pay-per-view, let alone a WrestleMania, that you could ever expect to see. And the ultimate topic, because we've discussed ad nauseum, should WWE have held it? Uh, should they have moved it from you know Raymond James Stadium and held it inside a performance center? Should they have done the show and called it WrestleMania? Yeah. We've already answered and gone through all those questions and provided our thoughts. This is what I'm going to tell you, Jack. This is how I want to open the show. There are expectations that you have when you watch a WrestleMania, right? And it could be a marketing term or not. I don't really care. The main expectation after watching a WrestleMania is, man, were there, were there, and how many of them were there, WrestleMania moments. Yeah. And ultimately, what WWE provided us over two nights, Saturday night and Sunday night, dude, they provided us wrestlemania moments and some of them were unusual they were things that you would not normally consider wrestlemania moments but they nevertheless were and if you say to me hey adam that wrestlemania that that they held during the coronavirus pandemic was it a piece of shit or was it something that you will remember forever i will remember this forever for for the greatness for the awfulness 
for everything in between. And, and I say awfulness, there was very little that was truly bad. Yeah. It, it, was, it was mostly stages of fine to good with a couple great pieces of greatness involved yeah. in this show. So were there WrestleMania moments? Yes. Does that make this a WrestleMania? Yes. I saw a two-night WrestleMania. I thought WWE, its producers, its superstars, its medical staff, its trainers, its camera people, every single person involved in that production, and you know it was a skeleton crew. Because even if they had a lot of people involved, they were not all involved at once. Those people deserve so much freaking credit for giving us basically eight hours, give or take, of sports entertainment. And it wasn't just pro wrestling. It was sports entertainment that... Uh, Jack went past the wrestling fan dumb as WrestleMania always does, but it went so far past it. I saw people tweeting about wrestling who have never tweeted about wrestling. Yeah. I was receiving text messages from friends who haven't watched wrestling in 10 years saying, Hey man, how do I get the network? Can I get your password? No, man. It's free. I tell them, no, it's free. Just go sign up. Um, can you catch me up? I'm so curious. And I received text messages, messages, Jack last night, primarily, but tonight also, I can't believe I haven't been watching this. I'm gonna I'm gonna start watching this again now. I don't think they totally know. Obviously, they don't. Now, yeah, it, it, <laughs> this isn't everyday life no, in WWE. Of course. But but nevertheless, this was a success. And if everyone got through this healthy, and no one came in with coronavirus and no one contracted it from this circumstance, then you have to give Vince McMahon and WWE a lot of credit for executing their biggest show of the year, given the most dire of circumstances. Yeah, and I mean, like, we, we talked about safety before. Kevin Owens did an interview with a French newspaper today after his match last night, and that well, that aired last night. And he said that WWE, not only just the testing when you, or the taking of the temperature when you entered the building and left the building, they changed the ropes and the mat in the ring after every single match was taped. So that, like, that's why this, this took place over the course of two days, two weeks ago, but they like, they went to those lengths to make sure that everyone was safe. It's also crazy considering the production elements, particularly for three of the matches, but just in general, all the things they had to do, all the changing pieces, the fact that they even taped this over yeah. two days is incredible. The fact that it, was the quality that it was, given what we've seen from Raw and SmackDown. And it's not to say that those shows were bad, but I went into WrestleMania saying, very pessimistically, it was like, look, I'm excited for Mania, but this isn't going to be anything that we hope it's going to be, right? Because we saw Raw and SmackDown, and they opened Mania. How did they open it? With Gulak and Cesaro in an empty arena match, and then the Kabuki Warriors and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross screaming and grunting at each other in an empty arena match. And you're like, oh my God. This is going to be. Horrible. It's not. Yeah, it's not this, wrestle. This is not my WrestleMania. This, no, but at the but by the time we finished, and we're going to start at the end and kind of move forward very very soon. I mean, damn it, Jack. WrestleMania moments, like I said, I'm not trying to be repetitive here, but but WrestleMania moments, uh, things I will remember. Major title changes, maybe not all the ones we expected, or or maybe they didn't happen the way we wanted them to. But WWE saw fit to continue giving us their product in the best possible way with maximum effort. And we always say this about them. WWE's best when they're backed up against the wall. Yep. What it usually means is when there's competition or when something happens where someone gets pulled from, from a match and they have to make the best of it, right? 
or when the Saudi prince grounds the plane. Right. Or something like that. Allegedly. 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 And and then you get the SmackDown of all time featuring an NXT invasion, right? Yep. This was a circumstance where their back was up against the wall because of a global freaking pandemic. And it wasn't just against the wall where they had to trash their plans for Tampa and and lose a ton of money and ticket sales and merchandise and all the stuff that comes with that. And they didn't just have to set up the performance center, but they still had to figure out how to put on a good to great show to live up to the name of WrestleMania. And here we are. It's now 1135 p.m. Sunday night, just minutes after the show went off the air. And damn it, man, I'm sitting here. They put on a freaking WrestleMania. Well, first off, kudos, like you just said, we're sitting here talking about the end of WrestleMania at 1130 p.m. Oh, that's great. Beautiful. We don't get a lot of last night, though, was better. When I I was clocking, it was like 1005. And I said, oh, I could get used to this. Well. Let's be fair. We also could have taped like an hour ago if we had this, we had we had dogs to walk. We had yeah, things to do. You know, this, this is why yeah. I still camp for my uh, my British WrestleMania, so we could be done at seven o'clock. Oh my God. It, it, last night was truly beautiful, though. That like, was great. Ten oh five on Saturday night, finishing with WrestleMania. Yep. You're like, I'm looking at, I'm like looking around. I'm like, I'm not tired. You're done. You're <laughs> all done. Even now, I mean, last year, last year from New York, uh, when BC and I taped, it was. 2.30 in the morning, I think, because not just that it ended late, but it, the traffic was impossible. By the time we got yeah, back, yeah. we were exhausted. I have energy now. I'm excited. You know, it, it's it's definitely a different type of incident analysis show coming out of this. But we actually need to get to that incident analysis. Otherwise, this thing is going to go on forever. And what we're going to do, the way I'm going to structure this, because, look, there were 18 matches in the show. Some of them we're going to have three seconds to talk about. Others Certainly, we're going to go longer, but I'm not going to go in order in terms of night one, night two. I'm just going to talk from what I perceive to be the most important development stories, things to talk about to maybe the least. And it's not any particular order. It's not going to be exact, uh, but we're going to run it down here. We're going to see how we go. So I think, you know, the, the biggest headline coming out of WrestleMania were the two special matches. I'm going to hold those off just briefly because the biggest news item is any time Brock Lesnar loses. And Brock Lesnar lost to Drew McIntyre. He dropped the WWE Championship in the main event Sunday night. In a match, I, I didn't time it. I can't imagine it was more than like four to five minutes. It, yeah, it had to be four, four or five, yeah. It was pretty short. So, you know, it, it's difficult to... It's difficult to truly wrap my head around this one because... Look, there were unique circumstances here. And if you told me that same match went down in front of a crowd, I don't think it would have changed too much. I think I still would have been pretty disappointed, all things considered. Because when you look at Brock Lesnar, WWE has spent a long time building this guy up as the unbeatable monster. He broke the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. He demolished John Cena. Um, He's held the title for I mean, he's for the years that he's been with WWE recently, I think it's six years or so, he's held the title for more than half the time. And the time he didn't, he wasn't even there. He was fighting in UFC or doing other stuff. And WWE, just two years ago, leading into WrestleMania 34, they built that F5 into an impossible-to-kick-out-of finisher. Uh, all year, Braun, one F5, one, two, three. All these guys, all the way down the line. Only for Reigns, which was supposed to be the culmination, the final moment, WrestleMania 34, for Reigns to kick out of a couple of them, yeah. eventually pin Lesnar, win the title, and that was his coronation. Obviously, Vince changed his mind and gave everyone a swerve on that. So, but but what they've done since then is they've kind of 
rebuilt the F5. You know, he did. I don't. I I could be wrong, but I don't think he ever hit it on Rollins it, on that match he lost. And I think there's other situations where it has not been kicked out of. So this match starts. McIntyre kicks out of the first F5 at one, then two more at two. And you're just like, oh, I've seen this before. Um, literally last night with, with, with Goldberg. It took three Claymores then to put down Lesnar after he hit one earlier in the match. I thought the match was good because it was fast-paced. And coming out of the Firefly Funhouse, which we'll talk about next, um, it would have been pretty rough for us to get a 20-minute empty arena match coming yeah. out of that. It needs to be something relatively fast. But it seemed far too easy for Drew McIntyre to take down Brock Lesnar. Just like a year ago, it seemed far too easy for Seth Rollins to take down Brock Lesnar. Was it as bad but, as was it bad as Goldberg Braun? I'm, I'm almost done. Was it, yeah, as, but, was it as bad as Goldberg Braun? That's okay. Um, no, it wasn't. But the only reason, I think, is because we actually care about Lesnar. And we actually care about McIntyre. But still, nevertheless, Jack, I think it was pretty weak, all things considered, and I don't want to call it lazy booking necessarily, but for such a laudable WrestleMania over two nights, for it to go out on that note with a weak coronation, it just didn't hit home right with me. No, I was okay with the booking, actually, because the Seth Matt that you referenced, he uh, hit, Bro- he hit Brock in the junk. Right. So, but Drew, Drew just straight up, beat Brock and I, I I did like if the if this were in Raymond James Stadium I would have said that was shit but I like the storytelling in the end because that's what you have to do in the empty arena you have to sure. tell the stories like I love the spot where Paul Hame like after Drew kicked out of the first F5 no, no the second it was the second one when Paul Heyman screamed at Brock well he's good <laughs> so do it again. And then the third one, he's like, just keep hitting them. He's not going to kick out of them forever. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was good. And I also like the subtle storytelling of like Drew's last Claymore to put Brock away. Brock was on his knees. Like he didn't get up. Like that was the kill shot. I think for the circumstances, it was about as good as you could do that. Like, yeah. Did, did, did it leave sort of a sour taste in our mouth that, that like, for as great as this WrestleMania was, we would love to see 70, 80,000 people screaming for Drew McIntyre holding up that title. But, I mean, you know, you have to take what you can get here. So, no, I I, I didn't hate it at all. I mean, it, it was what it was. It just, it had the unfortunate spot of following that Firefly Funhouse match we saw. True. I mean, it, placement is everything. It certainly does matter. I, I am not trying to be overly critical with my criticism of the match. Criti- I, you know, I know that's a little bit of hypocrisy there. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to explain that for a WrestleMania main event. You have to have the coronation, the Kofi Kingston moment, the way the Becky Lynch moment should have been last yes. year that we didn't get. This was more akin to Becky Lynch last year than it was Kofi Kingston. Yeah. That's how I'm looking at it. And. Yes, fans play a large role in it, but I don't want to necessarily see the monster go down that easily. I don't want to see the beast get beaten like that when a couple of weeks ago on Raw, like the last one in front of a live audience, we saw the beast go down that easily. So now you're telling me by what they've booked, you're telling me Drew McIntyre is unstoppable. He should not but, drop that title for a long time. 
but you also leave yourself open to options because the one thing I've always said about Brock Lesnar is that he is so good at what he does. And the storytelling with Brock of being this unbeatable monster has been great. But I think that there is, there's a lot of things you can do with telling a story of maybe Brock Lesnar is starting to lose it. Maybe Brock isn't as unstoppable as he once was. And sort of, a, if you want to call it a baby face turn, call it a baby face turn. But maybe put Brock on the other end of the spectrum. I wouldn't be against it. I also we're, wouldn't be. Sorry, I thought you were done. Um, where, where, where Brock is the one chasing. And look, fans are start, we're starting to get in that territory. And I see it on the internet, too, because the people that used to hate him because of the book. They're starting to love him because they realize what Brock Lesnar actually does for these people and his co-workers. I think the fans would get behind Brock Lesnar if the right heel was in place. I agree. And I don't think it would be the worst thing for him to actually move over to SmackDown away from Paul and almost kind of use this as, hey, Paul, like I listened to you and look what you got me. By not yeah. being more, you know, by only doing F5s and whatever, I listened to you and it failed me. Because he can talk. We've seen Brock on the mic occasionally, bits and pieces over the last two years. And every single time he does it, it's extremely entertaining. So yeah. I wouldn't be against that, even if he did stay on Raw, but he didn't have Paul with him. It just, it's very clear. And we've known this. The Brock Lesnar character that they have presented to us, it's gotten a little bit stale. And it doesn't mean that he's not a beast. It doesn't mean we like we don't like seeing him, but it has been overly repetitive because of the failure with Reigns. It affected how we saw Brock. They tried to book Brock as this guy who never shows up to make people boo Reigns, but everyone realized that the I don't mean the the marks, but I mean the people who aren't on the IWC realized what all everyone on the IWC has always been saying, which is if you're going to be a WWE champion, a world champion, Universal. We want you on TV, right? So I do like that McIntyre is crowned, but he was also crowned against a guy who really now in 2020 wasn't that much of a heel. And it wasn't, it was emphatic, but he didn't take down a guy that he struggled to beat. He did it easily after a couple of weeks, after a couple of weeks ago, doing it easily on Raw. And look, man, I'm not going to And he eliminated him from the Royal Rumble. What does suck about this though, is that we crowned Drew McIntyre. But we can't answer the question of where does he go from here? It sucks. It sucks, man. It's a great point because he is a face. And if you look at Raw right now, what's there? You have Rollins who just lost. Yeah, do do not do Rollins. You have Randy Orton. You have Randy Orton who just lost to Edge. So the heels on Raw have now all lost the top heels. The other top people are baby faces. So you're in this really weird spot with McIntyre and – I mean, I, you it, know. Log- logically, what we do is we bring in Heath Slater. <laughs> or Jinder. You bring back Jinder. I'm not wrong. I well, you know you bring. I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, forget Heath Slater. That's a joke. But you bring back Jinder. Jinder's- oh, Jinder was a joke. Drew was a joke. No, we bring in Heath, baby. And we roll yeah. with this. Jinder's Ginder, um, healthy and ready to go and waiting for a storyline. And, and he is a heel. Look, so I, I, do, I do, do want it. people be prepared for that because gender is on the raw roster he is ready to go like he was cleared a while ago they could go with that to kill some time but i was thinking more in the respect of we don't know if wwe can tape uh, how far ahead they could tape 
Yeah, I mean, there are reports that you know they are. Oh. There's reports right now that WWE is taped through NXT this week, uh, and that they have plans to do a closed set taping of SmackDown, not from the Performance Center this Shit. week. So I don't know what's going to happen. They've already announced. Now- they, they've yeah, already a, announced Money in the Bank for May 10th. That, I was just going to say that. They are. They had the balls to promote Money in the yeah. Bank. They're moving forward here. So they, there's something going on here. There is. But but what is also going on is this show, and we need to move past Lesnar McIntyre, which I thought yeah. might be a four-minute conversation. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go. But there's wow. a lot more and a lot better stuff to talk about. And we're moving into the co-main event on Sunday night. Uh, John Cena against the Fiend Bray Wyatt in a Firefly Funhouse match now it i probably should have started here talking undertaker and aj styles um but i kind of want to contrast that with what is freshest in our minds which is one of the most unique um surprising and entertaining things that wwe has ever done period full stop right there they took the john cena and bray wyatt feud that i think we we're not fine with Fiend losing the title to Goldberg. But considering the match was Fiend-Cena, we all understood the ramifications yeah. of it. We understood the implications long-term with their feuds and everything that happened. Um, and to be fair to WWE, they did a fantastic job, not so much in the first um, meeting, uh, the challenge segment on SmackDown, but every subsequent meeting that these guys had on the taped SmackDowns was fantastic, the segments in the ring, uh, with them going back and forth, particularly on the go-home show Friday night. Yeah, but, Friday was fantastic. But what we got was a look inside the subconscious of John Cena as revealed by The Fiend, and an entire segment that, I, dude, I don't even know how long it was, must have been 30 minutes, maybe it was less, that was based on him reliving, or the Fiend forcing Cena to relive, all of his worst fears. Yep. His debut, uh, maybe making a bad one in WWE. He, being a rapper and it not actually working. The bodybuilding stuff that he did. Um, him deciding not to hit Bray Wyatt with the chair. The heel never, turn. Never, right, never turning Whoa. heel. Um, Nikki Bella, his fear of commitment. That um, popped me. Not marrying her. Uh, having to kind of maybe retire at the very end because he just disappeared. I mean, they brought back my favorite thing in the entire Firefly Funhouse, which is the boss puppet, the Vince McMahon. <laughs> um, they talked about the ruthless aggression failure. They did, in addition to all of that, throwbacks to the 80s, 90s, and even today. They did a incredible tongue-in-cheek IWC middle finger with the VKM puppet saying, this is such good shit on commentary. Um, and ultimately, what Cena got to see was himself be the bully and Wyatt as the victim, which is how Wyatt and The Fiend has always seen himself in the situation. And Cena has never been able to accept. The match ends, if you want to even call it a match, with Wyatt hitting Cena with the mandible claw, pinning him to the canvas for the one, two, three. And by the way, very quick side note. I love that Fiend took the mandible claw from Mankind, but doesn't use it to submit the person, uses it to pin the person. That little tweak is really cool. But nevertheless, there was never a bell. There was never an announcement, really, at the end. Um, I thought from start to finish, as I said at the beginning of this diatribe here, one of the most unique, interesting, exciting, surprising, 
entertaining things that WWE has ever done. You know, you can't give it a match grade, right? But this, in terms of entertainment, is on the level, for me, honestly, of some of the Okada Omega matches. It was the same feeling of, oh my God, I can't believe I just saw that. Wow, how is this still getting better? It can't get better than this. Oh my God, it got better than this. <laughs> That's how I equate this. It's not wrestling. It's not technique. It's not match quality and work rate, but it is pure sports entertainment. I mean, credit to John Cena. That dude came back tonight. Well, for, we'll just say tonight. And he's he righted the wrong from six years ago because we all agree that Bray Wyatt should have won that match in New Orleans. I don't think I've ever seen a person who agreed with that decision to have Cena go over in that first match. Nor the decision for Wyatt to lose the title to Orton a couple years ago. No, no. But uh, credit to John. And he did a fantastic job. And like I said on the preview show, like John's acting chops were going to come into play here. And they did. They did. Oh, my God. He did such a great job. Um, and this isn't the last I'd like to see of John Cena. I, th- I think this was... I still want to see John put over another next big star, like like he he said, and I've mentioned before, like a Velveteen Dream. I would I would still like to see a WrestleMania match between Cena and Dream, but for him to come back and do everything he did in that match tonight and right the wrong from six years ago and do it where he basically just trashed himself, he trashed basically his whole career. For the sake of making sure that Bray got over. And I saw you tweet this, so I'll give you a shout out on your own show. Because I was thinking the same thing that you tweeted. Now, 2020, Bray Wyatt got over on John Cena. If The Undertaker is going to retire at Survivor Series 30 years after he made his debut... We need to write another wrong because WrestleMania 31, Bray Wyatt should have beaten The Undertaker. Bray Wyatt should retire The Undertaker. He's the only one who can. And yeah. I know there's a lot I know there's a lot of people who Or Alistair. I, I mean Alistair Black, he maybe. I know a lot of people maybe. Are, I know a lot of people are saying that with Alistair Black. And I get it. There's the whole demonic type of dark, brooding. And yeah, plus they've type interacted or well, I mean not so much interacted, but they've been They've been near each other with the whole AJ thing. And and all of that is understandable. But it should you know? be. But, but, but you have to pass the torch. And there's a certain torch. Survivor it's Series, the, yes. It, it's the torch of, of unbeatable, yet mysterious, mystic, um, dark, uh, otherworldly character that does not exist solely within the wrestling ring. Yeah. And Alistair Black doesn't have that. Bray Wyatt has that. The Fiend has that. This is a character that can not just last for another decade or two, but it is a character that, and I don't mean two full decades, but you, I think you guys get what I'm, get what I'm saying there. Um, but it's a character that can evolve and, in the same in the same way the Undertaker did. It's a character. Our- it's a character who can do a. You just saw it with the Firefly Funhouse, who can do a boneyard match type thing, who can have a regular good match. Granted, you have to probably put him with Daniel Bryan or something like that, but he can do everything and he can entertain you and take you out of your mind of, was this a four-star match or a three-star match? No, I don't care. I was entertained. That's what Bray Wyatt does. 
Yeah, and Undertaker loves Bray too. Like a lot of people, it, it came out shortly after. But like the whole severed head with the lantern thing that we saw at SummerSlam last year for the first time when the Fiend made his debut, that was Undertaker's idea. Yeah, he told he told Bray to do that. Like that was his. Like he he loves Bray and he wants Bray to succeed. It's just WrestleMania 31 was a bad decision, and I think it's Survivor Series. Undertaker's like it, it's. It's probably got to be Bray. It would be cool if they did that at a Survivor Series, even if they just saved it to Mania. Oh, it's next, good. well, this Mania is thirty year. years. It, and now they're doing that last ride series on Undertaker. It's got to be Survivor yeah. Series. You can't do it anywhere else. Like when people, like when we have all these WrestleMania matches, they say, "Oh, is this it?" He, he's got to retire at Survivor Series. It would make sense. I'm with you on that. And and the WrestleMania streak is obviously over. Doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. yeah. So it's so Survivor Series is just as good of a place. As any SummerSlam or whatever, but Survivor Series does have that have that emotional, that extra, you know, little yeah. thing that that you'll always remember. Oh, you know, thirty years. Okay, moving on from Fiend Cena. You know, listen. The truth is, in order to fully break down Fiend Cena, I have to watch it like three more times because there's so much that I missed. We're grabbing yeah. highlights. We're tweeting about it. We're recapping it for you know the website, another website. Um, there's just so much that happened that to really get a full grasp and break it down in an actual intelligent manner, I need like to watch it six more times because it's it was legitimately that great. And there were so many elements that flashed before your eyes that I know if I watch it again, there's things that I will have missed the first time, of course. Uh, moving on, though, we'll stick with Sunday night edge against Randy Orton in the last man standing match. I mean, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to keep it pretty quick here. There were some high spots. I thought the elbow drop in the conference room when he kind of was hanging from the grating on the ceiling and dropped it on that, that concrete table. That was great. Some of the back and forth trash talk during it, it was very similar to the taker styles match. I was okay with that too. Uh, the moves on top of the production truck were good. And some, some elements of the fight were very good, but the match was too slow. It was too long. Commentary was absolutely terrible throughout the entire thing. And ultimately we said it on the preview show. I've said it. Chris Vanini, our uh, sometimes co-host for the WWE shows, has said it many times. I am not a fan of last man standing matches. And this was an exact example, a paradigm of why I don't like last man standing matches. They are anticlimactic. They're boring. They take too long. This thing should have been 10 minutes shorter, much faster paced, uh, better commentary, maybe 15 minutes shorter. And yeah, it and, it's, and honestly, it's it 40 minutes, man. And it still wouldn't have been great. So Holy it just crap. It was there was no larger disappointment for me on the entire show, uh, both nights, than this this match. Like it was redundant. Like how? Many, all right, we get it. You could throw each you could throw each other into stuff, and I, I hate it. Like it gutted me because like I hated to see that this was Edge's first match back, like singles match. For this, oh, it was killing me as time went on because, like I said, it, it got redundant, and then to the point where. I got up, I took the dogs out, I came back in, they're still going. I went, I grabbed some brownies that my wife made. They were still going. Same thing. Just they they basically took us on a guided tour of the performance center. I wish oh, I, I bet, well, this is a nice place. I bet you wish those were a different type of brownies before you watched uh Fiencina. See, I've never been a big uh <laughs> I'll be honest with you. No, I never but I but if you're gonna if you're gonna the, eat the, if you're the point stands though yeah you're right if you're gonna eat some magic brownies uh, you're gonna eat them before Fiendzina that's all I'm and saying. it's because the, the I I like the finish 
I liked uh, Edge just being so emotionally distraught over what he had to do. Like, you know, I got to do this to him. Like, it sucks because I still love him. But ah, I got to do this because I got to take him out. Um, But yeah, 15 minutes, maybe 20. You might have been able to shave 20 off this. And I saw some people tweeting, oh, if this was in a stadium, I was like, no, no, no. If Even if this was in a stadium, people would have got bored as hell. It would have been better. It would have been the same thing. Well, here's the thing. If it was in a stadium, I think it would have been slightly better. It also would have been shorter. And because you have to remember, they're not giving you a 30-minute funhouse. They're like, not giving just, you some of these other lengthy things. So I, I think it would have been shorter in a stadium. It would have been more exciting. They probably would have done a spot off the pirate ship. It would have been much more of an exciting match. But nevertheless, this is why you don't do a match like that. It was very unfortunate that for as quality of a build as that was, it's great, it, was yeah. it was by far the best built feud on the way to WrestleMania, on the road to WrestleMania. Number one, it, we were saying ahead of time that should have main evented Saturday night. Before yeah, we knew, it, yeah, in terms before of we build, knew, absolutely. And, and for it to get that, and I'm not saying it was terrible. I'm not trying to say here that it was a D match or anything like that. But it was just like a C, C plus, where it probably should have been and could have been a B plus A had and it look, been done properly. And look, I'll be honest with you, I I would not have agreed with the decision. But if if this was still in Raymond James Stadium. And if you had come to me and said, look, Jack, Edge and Randy Orton is going to go on last. I would have said, well, I think a title match should go on last, but all right, I don't hate it. Like, that's how great the bit, like I would have said, well, all right, Edge's return after nine years. All right, I guess you could do the whole non-title match main event this time again. But, oh, ooh, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Moving on. Um, actually, before we move on. DM slide, Shawn Michaels at R-E-E-B-82. Uh, he asks, where do either of these guys go from here? Randy should be, quote unquote, out for weeks. And Edge comes out of this looking no better. It's a great question. We can't answer those. Yeah, Randy should be out for a while. I, I wish so, I could. Well, Randy should be out for a while, so it's a good break for him. Totally cool. Edge, I have no clue. Rollins? Styles? Yeah, I, I guess. But like, I, like, I, why, I, I, when, I, who, you know? I want your listeners to know that we can't answer that until we know what WWE yeah. can actually do. I like, I'm sorry. And it kills me because like I said, like I'm watching Drew McIntyre hold that title up and I'm like, I, I, I like, what kind of answers am I going to get tomorrow night? Well, he, here's what I can tell you for at least edge and Orton. I think educated guesses. Orton should be out for a while. He should take some time off. It's probably in his contract. Pull some Instagram pictures with the wife. Well, no, do RKOs with your kids in the pool and stuff. <laughs> That's the best Randy Orton content. But um, Edge is on a part-time contract. So he's not, you know, you're not going to see Edge every week, nor should you. So he's on a, a less than a less than a Daniel Bryan contract. Even. I can so you're, be honest with you. You're going to see Edge like four times a year, I think. I can be honest with you about something. If this were, if this were a non-coronavirus world, Adam, you might disagree. I would not be opposed to Edge Money in the Bank winner. I don't know about winner, but you put him in the match. I wouldn't be opposed to it. To kind of throw some Here, Here's why you can't do it. Let me tell you why you can't do it. Because Paul Heyman's Raw is promoting the young guys. And Money in the Bank winner on Raw should be like an Aleister Black or an Andrade. It, true. It, it's true. It, That's true. If that was on SmackDown, or if they do separate ones, if they do a Raw and a SmackDown, 
then I, I can see an older guy like that winning. But on Raw, the way Paul Heyman's booking Raw, I don't I'm think he's just saying I wouldn't hate it. But uh, no, I have God. It's tough. It, it's yeah, like it, I hate it. Like we, we love to answer these questions, but the, the fact of the matter is we can't answer these questions now. Indeed. Uh, with that, we're going to move on. The Undertaker versus AJ Styles in, the, in a Boneyard match. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, we, I, uh, I'm stumbling because it's tough. You're stumbling because it's Be, the greatest thing you've ever seen. It, it, it's among them. Um, here's the thing. On Sunday, I was prepared for the Firefly Funhouse match to be great because I saw the Boneyard match on Saturday. And I said, well, if they did that Saturday and they put it on Saturday, then the Funhouse match has to be even better. Ultimately, it was. But everything about this was picture perfect. And the biggest takeaway from the Boneyard match, and I think you tweeted this, but I could be wrong because it was yesterday and it feels like a week's happened since yesterday. The Undertaker has like another 10 years in him with matches like this. I did. Yeah. And see, that's what. Yeah. And, yeah, he and does. it's really true. Now, that doesn't mean he'll always do them. Or you could have an in-ring retirement, for example, at Survivor Series, but then have him still do these types of special things occasionally. But regardless of how you think of it, how you book it, it doesn't matter. This showcased The Undertaker better than he has been showcased in like five or six years, probably. The entrances were incredible. You knew two minutes into that match, it was going to be good because you saw Styles coming out of the casket and you're like, wow, that's pretty badass. And then The Undertaker rides in on Metallica and you're like, yes. all right, we're going, let's do this. It was not to use the overly used word that everyone wrote on Twitter, but it was indeed cinematic. WWE used the resources that they had in Orlando to their fullest. That is a, it's not Hollywood, don't get me wrong, but it is a town of production. There are sets all over the place. There are production people and talent and set designers and, and so on and so forth. WWE reached into their pockets, pulled out a big chunk of change, hired a ton of people to build a set and put on an incredible cinematic production. The sets, the pyro, the lighting, the headstone, the trash talk throughout with AJ Styles and Undertaker apparently wasn't even planned and they just decided to do it. It was violent. Um, Taker was talking to AJ kind of like he was a child at the end, hugging him, telling him it was going to be okay. Loved it. Believe he wasn't going to bury him. And then he just ends it and dumps the stuff on him. And then they have the hand come out, which is a huge throwback to the buried alive match that the Undertaker was in where you saw the purple glove sticking out of the, of the dirt. Man, the Boneyard match was freaking incredible. And again, just like the Firefly Funhouse match, Jack, I feel like I need to watch it two or three more times to truly, truly appreciate it. That was just amazing. And I, I tweeted this this morning. All credit for that goes to Jeremy Borash. Don't for a second. I said this when he got hired. Two, two years ago by Triple H. That is one of the most important hires WWE will make. Production, talent, whatever. In the next 15, 20 years is Jeremy Borash. That man is fantastic at his job. He's the one who put that match together. He's the one who made sure it got shot the way it did. He's the one who made sure Undertaker looked like a freaking movie star. 
like a a Clint Eastwood, the way Mark Calloway should look, like Jeremy Borash, I don't know what that company's paying him. He deserves a raise after this weekend. That's for goddamn sure. It was great. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, and I know some people might get mad when they hear the yes, Matt Hardy came up, came up with the idea of the broken universe and TNA. But who's the man who shot all of those? It was Jeremy. He's the one who did that. He's the one who helped elevate that. And he, his back against the wall, a relative new employee to WWE says, here, you're tasked with this Boneyard match. He goes, okay. It took eight hours to shoot that. I don't know if you saw that come out today. Eight yeah. hours it took to shoot that. Well, and, Bor- Borash worked extensively, you know, obviously well, with the Broken Universe. And crap. That, yeah. well, that's what I just said. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, like, Matt came up with the idea, but Jeremy said, okay, here's how we put it into action. Here's and, a, here, Here's an interesting thing I, I'm going to ask you, though. So Matt Hardy was tweeting Saturday night, hey, thanks for everyone contacting me. Yeah, this is the type of stuff I love and blah, 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 right? I'm not trying to say that this was not Matt Hardy's creation because the way this was done in particular oh, it was with, Matt Hardy. with, yeah, it with was. Jeremy Borash was, was very close to the final deletion. It, very similar. But again, the producer slash director was the same person. Actually, going to so, be honest with you, better. Oh, it was way, it was way better. It was way better. It was way better. But... But my point is, it was the same like producer, director, person putting it together. So that makes sense, right? But let's not act. I just don't want us to act like Matt Hardy invented this. Like WWE and WCW also back in the day have done unique matches, not inside the arena, where maybe it wasn't to this level. It wasn't as cinematic as this was. Yeah. But they've done things like this, the Hollywood backlot brawl and and there, there are unique things that wrestling has done for the entirety of its existence. So yes, this in particular, Hardy deserves a nod, a tip of the hat to. But I don't want to make, like everyone's talking about like he invented it and WWE, well, they did this, you know, in this case, but they never would have done it for Matt Hardy. No, they they did. They just thought, no, they, he did. He, he took they, it, thought they were done with it, you know? He took it to a modern day level. And for that, he deserves credit, Matt Hardy. Like, we're not, we're not saying Matt Hardy doesn't deserve credit. He does. Like, he took it to a modern day level with his ideas. But no, this this is this is nothing new. Hell, uh, the old championship wrestling from Florida used to do this all the time. It, like, we're so we're talking late 70s, early 80s. I just feel like they, modern fans they were doing stuff like this. Modern fans want uh, people that hate whether you well, hate because WWE or we're, we're in a period where there's still a lot of fans from just the attitude era where everything happens in an arena in the ring. Even, you know even I mean? in the Attitude Era, though, stuff happened, you know, outside. And may, again, maybe it wasn't to this level. And yeah. that's why Hardy, Hardy does deserve a tip of the cap here. But listen, WWE clearly has the best production in sports. And you've seen it from promo packages. You've seen it for decades now. They put a huge emphasis and a huge investment into being able to execute a good television and pay-per-view product. Yeah. And that has never been more clear than in the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match. Both incredible. Again, we can break them all down for forever, uh, but I think we do need to probably watch them again before we do that. A couple. A comment came in from Sammy Redden at Fifty Miles East. He tweeted me that he tweeted this to me last night, and it was I, I laughed my ass off probably for a good five minutes. Uh, he said they needed AJ in this match because he's the most believable superstar to possess the ability to drive a tractor. 
And I thought it's like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? Him or Otis, right? Or, or Tucker, like, but AJ more than anybody. So that was funny. Um, Nick Flynn at N Flynn underscore 17. He said, should or can you see having a Boneyard or Firefly Funhouse match at an actual WrestleMania if the quality is kept up to what we saw? Uh, could a live packed crowd of 70,000, 80,000 willingly sit through that in the stadium if it's on that level of good? It's a great question. I don't think you can. I don't think you can advertise an in-stadium WrestleMania experience and promote John Cena versus Bray Wyatt or The Undertaker versus AJ Styles and then tell fans to watch a video board. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons House of Horrors, it, granted, that wasn't at a WrestleMania. Actually, wait. No, no that, that wasn't no, at a WrestleMania. No, no, no. no. Um, that was the one after. Uh, but it's one of the reasons that was a failure because everyone's in the crowd is like, what the hell is this, right? And also, I mean, let's don't get me wrong. House of Horrors was also terrible. Um, but nevertheless, it's, I think you can do it for a pay-per-view. I think if you promote that it won't yeah. be happening on the show, you can do it. I think you can definitely do it on a Raw or a SmackDown. And I think they should do, I mean, they can't do this multiple times during this quarantine, during this pandemic, but they could figure out a couple things to do to utilize these aspects in their storytelling in, in the interim. Uh, so I just don't think you can put it at a WrestleMania, Jack. Not not something different than this. No, you can't do it at WrestleMania. And I will say this. Uh, it was my fear last night amid all the positive reviews for the Boneyard match. I hope WWE doesn't get reliant on this now because they see people like it because we know what how WWE is. They'll make it real old real quick. Yeah, they'll use it as a crutch. Yeah, don't do that. Like I would be okay. I'm not I'm not lying to you. If I didn't see another one of these and like until three, four years from now. But th- these these guys will do it every six months. I don't know that we'll I don't know that will last to three or four years, but I think with Bray Wyatt in particular, because Undertaker's not around much, with Wyatt, it is it makes why, his why char- it makes sense. It, it makes his character so much better and his matches, like, his pay-per-view matches can be far better if there are elements of this utilized. Maybe maybe a three-minute segment backstage, and then they make their way to the ring or something like that. For example, real quick, I've seen a lot of people suggest, well, this is how you get the Sting Undertaker match. It is. I mean, it's true. It's true, but again, be careful what you wish for. Right. And again, we're talking. Hey, if he does, if we, if he does execute a retirement at Survivor Series, then maybe he will let Sting. But uh, hey, there's a guy. Look at look at what we're doing here. Like, there's a guy other than Bray. Maybe Undertaker is uns like he's unselfish enough to say, "All right, you always wanted the Sting match. I'll give you the Sting match, and he'll retire me." What if you do Taker Sting SummerSlam in a type of match like this? Taker Bray Survivor Series could do that, yeah. In a ta- in a type of match like this, more Bray style because think- you know that's one that's one dream match that never goes away. People really do want to see Sting Undertaker. They do, and you know what? I'm not among them. I don't care at all for it. I uh, I'm at the point where if it can be done, just do it however you can so you get people to shut up about it. Yeah. All right, moving on here. We got a lot left. We're going to go a little bit quicker through some of these. NXT Women's Championship match. Uh, Charlotte Flair beats Rhea Ripley for the title. Nailed uh, it. Yeah, you got that one for sure. I beat you on most of them. 
But you got that one. Uh, first thing, the main takeaway from this match, Rhea Ripley at age 23 is better than most women wrestlers have ever been yes. in their entire careers. She's 23 years old. There is no doubt in my mind that five years from now, she will be in the conversation for at least in WWE best ever. Like she will main event a WrestleMania. She will Rhea main event. Ripley will main event a WrestleMania. She will main event a WrestleMania. I say she that will, with confidence. She will be the, I don't, I hate to even say it this way because it's not accurate, but like, the John Cena to Charlotte Flair's rock, meaning the person who takes the torch, who Vince McMahon buys into and believes in and is willing to elevate into that top spot. Um, I loved how strong and dominant they booked Ripley throughout this match. She had the upper hand most of the time. It really forced Flair to do what she doesn't do in most of her matches, which is work from under and work very hard to get the win. It took not just, you know, she kicked, she kicked out of the rip time that happened early in the match. Uh, Rhea, I think, kicked out of the spear or yeah, I think she did. Um, you know, uh, Flair got out of Ripley's uh, submission and ultimately it's the figure eight. The figure eight beat Asuka. The figure eight can beat Rhea Ripley. I don't really have a problem with that. She had nowhere to go in the middle of the ring. And I think if that happened at WrestleMania in front of a crowd, let's be candid. I think you would have gotten a lot of booze and Flair wasn't actually working like full heel in this match. She was a t- she's been a tweener this entire time. R- Ripley's been a face, but Fair has Flair has not been getting a lot of booze, and she would have gotten booed yeah. on eating Ripley. In this case, I kind of thought this may be more than a lot of matches. I mean, the the cinematic matches benefited from no crowd more than any, but this may have been next because they put on a hell of a match. One of the best women's matches I've ever seen. Honestly, like not the best, but top 10. I don't think we're going to see a better one this year from the women. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, we may not. And don't forget, we had like really good Becky Oscar match already. And we've had some good matches already. I don't think we're going to see a better one. But that was a damn good match, Jack. And do I agree with Flair winning the title? No. Ripley just won it from Baszler. It was a mountaintop moment. But... I'm not going to like cry about it. It was fine. We get flair on NXT. It seems like, and we'll talk about it later. Bianca Belair is off of NXT. Flair retains in her first defense, faces Ripley. Ripley beats her. Boom, you're done. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm all right with it. The, the booking was just what I thought it was going to be. And like I told you on the preview, like Charlotte, there's no way like Rhea, her trajectory is what we said it is. Like she's going to main event at WrestleMania someday. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, if I had to put money, I'd say Rhea Ripley's going to main event at WrestleMania someday. 23 years old, too much too soon. Charlotte Flair is a roadblock. Because now, like, there's a girl we're talking about is greatest of all time, maybe, right now. It's a roadblock. And there's nothing wrong with that because, you logically, you say Rhea's only 23 years old. Say, okay, well, but what Rhea showed in this match is she can hang with Charlotte. Now she just has to figure out how to beat her. Now Charlotte took her title. Now we get when everything returns to normal or how, the journey of Rhea figuring out how to get that title back from Charlotte. It, it's going to be very interesting. I, you know, It's not something we need to dive into too much, but I did think to myself while I was watching this when that result happened, I was like, you know what? Maybe they should have brought up Ripley in the Shayna spot and done Becky Ripley changed the title. Had Baszler beat Ripley in NXT, 
and then had Flair challenge Baszler as this unbeatable yeah, unstoppable force and take the title off Baszler in NXT. Maybe. That would have been interesting. Now, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying it would have been better, but then you get two title changes. Ripley gets a huge promotion on the main roster as a champion. Instead, she's now not a champion and still on NXT. So yeah. that is something that I do wonder uh, if they considered and if they didn't in hindsight, like you said, if that would have made sense. And the Raw Women's Championship with Becky Lynch defending and retaining the title over Shayna Baszler. And if I'm giving you credit for the NXT title match, Jack, you give me credit for the Raw title match because Silver King called this one completely. Um, you know what, though? I got to tell you something about this. You're going to like this. Because maybe she's smarter than me. Maybe she should have my job. You know, my wife last night, always paying attention to shit, the Instagram and whatnot. I was livid that Shayna didn't win that match. And my wife looks at me and goes, you know, this might have been one of those matches that were changed. And I said, why, honey? Like, I was, I said, why? And she goes, because, she goes, her and Seth were supposed to go away after WrestleMania and get married, remember? They can't do that now. And I went, oh, I forgot. And she goes, yeah, they were leaving after WrestleMania, her and Seth. And I went, you might be right. That was one of two good ideas my wife had last night that I never thought of. The second one being a Gronk thing we'll get to later. But it's, yeah, she's like Becky and Seth. They did. They talked about it in interviews. They were going. They were going on a trip South America right after WrestleMania, which would have been perfect to take the title off of Becky. Seth obviously losing the game. They were going to go away for a bit, get married. They can't do that now. Right. And and that did play into my pick a little bit, but also just, you know, I didn't think that Shayna needs to go over Lynch at WrestleMania, whether it was stadium or not. You though you you do those big title change moments for faces primarily yeah. and in a one on one match with no clear reason for interference or shenanigans or anything like that. It didn't really make sense for Baszler to beat Lynch that clean uh, one year after she won the title. It makes more sense to me for Becky to take the title, go after Trish Stratus's all time reign. I think it's we're now headed in that direction. She's the second longest reigning woman, if, woman ever since. And if taping gets era. stopped. Yeah, she'll surpass that easily. So, so I always expected Lynch to retain here, despite kind of everyone thinking that Baszler would take the title. Uh, I thought it was a good, fast-paced, entertaining match. I, I was glad That's that it right. went quickly. It was stiff. Uh, I do wish that Lynch had won more decisively, as now we're two years in a row without a solid, clean WrestleMania win, and she's the top woman in the company. But she can't get a clean finisher, one, two, three, or tap out. Yeah, like um, if you're gonna promote her as this like stone cold type character, like the top, like you know, st- hit hit the stunner, one, two, three. Like, yeah, Becky really is. And well, that. she did. She did take Oscar down, and she has won some matches like that. She she beat uh, Sasha Banks clean, but yeah, in Wrestle at WrestleMania, you want that big clean win. So I didn't love that we got that back to back years. But my guess is that they try to continue the Shayna Baszler feud. Uh, Dan Smith at D Smith four four four. Said Shayna had to win and asked Lynch where Lynch goes from here. I, I think that they continued the Baser feud. Baser has an easy comeback of, hey, yeah, you beat me, but you didn't actually pin me and you didn't tap me out. I'm still better. It was a fluke. Yeah. And you continue it from there. So, you know, I'm fine with it. I, that was the result I expected. 
you know, no problem there. Uh, for the WWE Championship, we had Goldberg defending the title against Braun Strowman. Um, <laughs> look, it was it was a piece of shit. Uh, there was zero mention. There, there was zero mention of Roman Reigns on the broadcast or Friday night on Saturday. Man, there, I can there tell, was zero. I, there, there was zero explanation of why Braun Strowman was in the match. I can tell you what happened. Go for it. I know. I, I look. I put the pieces together, especially Roman. And God, I love Joe Anaway. He screwed them by posting that Instagram video. Absolutely, he screwed them, and I don't blame him. I really don't blame the guy. Like he, like he had, he felt he had an obligation to explain to people because he was catching shit for it. He was. I mean, if what and you, he, if what he said is to believe that people were calling him a sissy or a yeah, wuss or whatever those words has, were, he had every obligation to say, "Yo, hold on." And I'm sure that Triple H wasn't lying when he said they had a unique manner to write him off. But when he posted that video, they were like, "Oh crap." Right, because then he took it out of kayfabe. Yeah. And he, so at that point, they just changed it. So maybe that's the case. It did make, I, I don't, I don't blame, I certainly do not blame Roman. And we already had this conversation. And look, we, we, we live in an era, honestly, I don't, don't want to bring it up as specifically on this show, but we should, especially the, your top guy like Roman Reigns. He does something like this and then posts a video. What are you going to do? Fire me? I will call Cody Rhodes in a second. Well, of course, and he would be the top star there, and he'd be champion immediately. Yeah, it, but, but it was regardless of of the situation. Um, it, it was he he did put them in a difficult situation. Um, they did the best kind of they could in terms of a replacement of Strowman. Again, I kind of would have loved the idea of Fiend Cena number one contender match. It was, yeah, winner going on, but whatever. Who cares? Um, the match was terrible. Uh, Strowman took more punishment than The Fiend did, but Goldberg wasn't able to pin Strowman, and he was easily able to beat The Fiend. Ultimately, it was the right decision to put the title on Strowman, but they never should have put Goldberg over Fiend in the first place. It was a stupid decision. The match was god-awful. Goldberg sucks. There's no reason for Goldberg to be in a title picture. Again, there's really no reason for Brock Lesnar to be in a title picture. I These don't, guys can yeah, be in no. matches and draw viewers and bring people in just by being there. You don't have to put the titles on them. One of WWE and one of Vince McMahon's worst decisions in years. And this, I mean, certainly he made a deal with Saudi Arabia, A, but, but not counting that from a booking and storyline standpoint. Um, one of his worst decisions in years was putting the title on Goldberg here. Absolutely unnecessary. It made the situation bad. It made Roman Reigns pulling out of Mania even worse because I was at least looking forward to Reigns beating him. You know, I was like, hey, you know what? If that's what it has, if that's what it takes and Roman's going to go over, at least we get the moment. Instead, Strowman won. I could not have cared less if this was two years ago. I'm happy for I would have cared. I'm still happy for the guy. Oh, I don't care at all. Zero. I'm still happy for the guy. Zero point zero for me. This was a total oh. piece of garbage. For me. No, I'm still happy for the guy. You know, hey. He he earned it. Um, he works hard, but yeah, he he earned what are you this. Doing here? He earned this, and yet you're right. It, two years ago, should have happened. Braun should have been Universal Champion. Now, now, but, do we get a, a Strowman Reigns feud? Well, here's the, now. You, now you got options. that would be awesome. Now you have options. Ro- Braun Strowman Roman Reigns, best history in the company there. 
in, in recent memory. Also, Braun has history with Bray. So now you got options. But keep Goldberg off of my TV yeah. forever. And if you put him on, keep him away from the title picture. But you're right. You can go Strowman Fiend seemingly soon. Have Fiend take the title back. Now we're back where we were and have Fiend Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. And it was also the first time in 15 years, by the way, I think first time since WrestleMania 21 that both major titles in WWE men's titles changed in the same night. Obviously, there was a long period of time where they didn't have to. But nevertheless, uh, for 7 to 15 years, that happened. So that was interesting. But yeah, I will never, you know, you talk about WrestleMania moments. There's plenty from this WrestleMania. I will fast forward over that freaking match so quick when I watch this. Yeah, it, it's it, it it was what it was. Now, a match I won't fast forward over is Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins, Jack. Um, you know, the first half of that match, I thought it was great. There were reversals and counters. They gave us the swerve of this disqualification that worked a lot of people. I'm not saying it didn't work. I like me. that. I, I was a, a little disappointed, but I noticed very quickly that KO grabbed the mic. So I wasn't overly upset yet. But I was like, oh, man, that's really disappointing. And then it was like, oh, OK, here we go. So they go no disqualification and the intensity goes from it was already at a seven, but it goes from a seven to a ten. Owens gets a WrestleMania moment jumping off the damn sign, which was incredible. Owens on Twitter said he would have done something off the pirate ship if they yeah, were actually in the stadium. Ship. That's great. Uh, and then he he, he you know he puts uh, Rollins through a table with that move. And then back in the ring, hits a stunner as Seth begs him, you know, to be easy on him. It was perfect. You have the Messiah begging for forgiveness and help. You have Owens, the babyface, overcoming not just um, a good wrestler in Seth Rollins, who is on his way to becoming the new Mr. WrestleMania one day, a few years from now. Um, but you also had what seems to be the solid end of a feud and Owens, the babyface, going over. With the signature move and a clean one, two, three, perfect match. Um, you know, as top five match in on WrestleMania this year, maybe top four. It just delivered in every possible way. A great. Th there's not a lot to say about this. Great match, great storytelling. Right guy went over. Perfect. Absolutely. All right, SmackDown Women's Championship. It was a fatal five way elimination match. Now, I think the first two thirds of the match were garbage, but. You know, the final three were the final three we expected. And they delivered, I thought, Jack, from a storytelling standpoint. Bailey yeah. ultimately won. Um, they had a number of teases between Banks and Bailey being upset with one another, mostly Banks being upset with Bailey. There was great camera work throughout the match showing Banks in the darkness, looking at Bailey, who had the light shined on her as champion, both before the match and yeah, after the match. Yeah, that was real nice. Um, but they, while they teased something, it was just a little taste. It was an aperitif. It was just a, a little, you know, dot on the tongue. They didn't overwhelm you with, oh, she's definitely going to turn on her down the line. They didn't give it up to us yet. It felt very much like the beginning of a very slow burn, as I predicted in our uh, lead up to this. On the way to SummerSlam, I feel like we're going to get. Think we, we all this did. Like, we're all seeing that that that's where we're going. Yeah, Sasha and, Bailey at SummerSlam, especially if, if God willing, if it's still in Boston. Yeah, which I certainly hope it is. Come um, August, then by the time we get to August, yeah, then that's perfect. But and he, by the way, even if it's there and without a crowd, I would still. I just if it's in a stadium, 
You know what I mean? Or if or there's two people that can pull it off, it's Sasha and Bailey. Yeah, for sure. Um, but nevertheless, it's it's. I'm, I'm turning into Michael Cole. I think that's the third. Nevertheless, I said tonight. But I, I thought it was great, Jack. Uh, not the match wasn't great, but the final two minutes, the back and forth between Sasha and Bailey, it was very well choreographed. Bailey pushing pushing Sasha out of the way, spinning Lacey Evans, hitting the women's right, which honestly sounded like it connected. She just did a great slap on that one. Yep. Pinning Banks, Bailey being in the corner, you can see it on replay, not jumping up to help her, which is kind of what we predicted. It, it, they they told the right story. The match wasn't great. They told the right story. Yeah, right story. I hope that they're going in a good direction here. Uh, just hopefully they can pay it off in Boston because that would be so great, especially with Sasha as a de facto baby face. That would be great. I'm with you on that one. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Very strange, very weird match um, or just booking, I guess I should say, because, you know, in you know breaking the fourth wall, going back to reports here, one of the reasons why or the reason why Roman Reigns ultimately did not compete in WrestleMania reportedly is because Miz showed up to the Performance Center, I guess, presumably with a temperature or something like that. He was not cleared to compete or they were going to let him compete anyway. I'm not sure what the case was, but he was unable to compete in the SmackDown tag team match. Uh, And because of that, Roman pulled out. Apparently, the Usos were really upset about something having to do with it. Roman pulled out. They changed the tag team triple threat ladder match to a singles triple threat ladder match with the tag team titles still on the line. And Jack, you know, I initially predicted the Usos to win. But as soon as they changed it, (laughs) you said to me, hey, is your prediction the same? I said, hell no. They are definitely retaining the titles now. That's ultimately what happened. The match was really freaking good for. Yeah, Yeah. You know, for for what it was, uh, it was not the best ladder match of all time, certainly, but it was a damn good one. It was very unique. John Morrison and Kofi and Jimmy Uso all did really good moves. And I thought the finish was really smart and inventive where Jimmy unhooks the titles uh, because especially when it's a tag team, they put it on that hook. Now they don't you don't just pull the the titles down. Um, He unhooks it and all three of them had a hold on it. Morrison fell back with it. They eventually unclipped. He rolled off the ladder. He grabbed the titles. I've seen where it's fallen before and someone else has grabbed it to finish a match. I believe we saw that maybe in like one of the Carmelo wins or something like that, but that's happened before, but never in this manner. That was super unique. It was a very smart finish and I thought the match was really good. So that was like, I'm not going to give it an A, but it was a solid BB plus. Oh, really good because yeah, yeah, the way things worked out, I hope, I, I, I hope Miz is okay and everything, but like the way it worked, the way it worked out where John Morrison, was left to do the ladder match like that just because John is just yeah I God you know my my takeaway from this aside from the match being great is that we we need John Morrison to be a single star in this great. company I, I get like easing him back in by by making people familiar with him because he was associated with Miz a decade ago but we need him to be on his own. I agree, and I think this is now a good opportunity where, like, you we're, turn we're, him, we're you can turn him face. Like, you know? we are talking. We could have a story. Like, there is a good story in place where, uh, I mean, just for SmackDown purposes, we could tell a story of John Morrison chasing the Universal Championship and getting it, and you know, or akin to Drew McIntyre of leaves, comes back, and like, hey, when our tag team broke up, I was supposed to be this big, and I never got it. Now I'm gonna get it. Or even if they reestablish the Intercontinental title more, and, and if Brian the, if Brian doesn't get it, 
then you can build him up to fight Sammy, beat Sammy, and that's pretty solid. I don't, Dude I don't is in better shape than he was 10 years ago, it's which insane. is insane. He was great. By the way, uh, commentary was on and off the entire WrestleMania both nights. The worst moment on commentary the entire show, uh, both nights again, is when JBL, after John Morrison hit like a parkour corkscrew landing on Jey Uso on top of a ladder, he goes, man, John Morrison reminds me of Mr. Perfect. Jimmy. What did I say, Jay? I told you that last uh, Jimmy. night. What I said, Jimmy. I said Jimmy earlier. That's what you're taking away. <laughs> Let's criticize JBL, not me. Okay. <laughs> JBL compared John Morrison to Mister Perfect after he had a course. Yeah. Score. Yeah. Give me, give me a freaking break. So uh, J- JBL. What I saw, by the way, when I saw JBL on commentary, I said, "What the f?" I was just appreciative. This? I was appreciative of two things: one, that it was not Sam Roberts. And two, that Michael Cole was not by himself. Yeah, I saw the Sam Roberts stuff. What I I was <laughs> so nervous. I know it was a joke, but oh my god, yeah. When I saw those popping up, because Dude. oh man, that would he was vicious. he was awful on NXT. Yeah. I got even. I don't. I don't think I did a rushed instant analysis of the Wednesday night shows last week. I don't even think I got to say it. He was awful on NXT, and I, I'm not trying to crap on another uh, a podcaster. I don't think I could step in and do color. On on SmackDown, but I wouldn't put myself in that position if they asked me to. Though I'm pretty confident I could do a five percent better job than that. It was just <laughs> you. Can, he was trying to be a, a, a the worst heel commentator of all time. But yeah, it, it, it's not working, man. It it, it did not. Like work. I I like that they have Rosenberg. Like like I he would have been good. He's a good dude. But like Ro- Sam Roberts, man. No, no. Why no. they didn't just take Byron and put him on with Tom? I, well, well, no, Tom, no, Byron's better. Trust me. Um, all right. I did mention the intercontinental title. So let's just move over to that. Sami Zayn defeats Daniel Bryan with a kind of a halluva kick, just kind of stuck his leg up in the air. I didn't have much of an issue with Bryan losing here. Zayn looked the best he has in quite a while, but with so much time, they had so much time to put into this match. They could have put into this match. Yeah. The card, the, so many matches were super short. This should have gone on far longer. It was just getting good as the match ended. Brian and Zayn are great. Gulak was really good. Even the stuff outside the ring, I think it was with Nakamura and, and Cesaro. Like, I didn't even mind it because I was getting Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn one night after I had gotten Daniel Bryan and Shinsuke Nakamura. And very recently after we saw Drew Gulak fight Cesaro earlier that night. So it, it's just, they have the talent. This is a group of five people who are five of the best wrestlers in the company. It's really interesting. You add Chad Gable, you have six of the best wrestlers in the company. They got to give them 20 minutes, 17 minutes. That's not too much to ask. So Zane, I, I didn't care about the booking. It was fine. But I, I wish the Intercontinental title meant more. I wish they actually gave it legitimate time. Yeah. Uh, the only thing, uh, our, uh, our writer at CBS Sports, Brent Brookhouse, made a really good point to me. He t- Private, public, I think he tweeted it, but he first said it to me in private. Of, I really wish the commentary would stop playing up this thing that Sami Zayn forgot how to be a good wrestler. Like, we know Sami's, like Sami Zayn is great at this, but they play it up like he's a manager, like he's Bobby Heenan getting into the ring. Well, it's it's no. What's weird also is they the whole time they could have been telling the story of his injured shoulders and he's yeah. working his way back and he's this is what he's doing in the meantime. Instead, and they make it seem me. like he's this incompetent moron. Yeah, they yeah, can, we, we know better. It's frustrating, but I will say this: 
he seems happy and content and he seems to enjoy he's enjoying himself. Yeah, he's, he's enjoying, enjoying the role he's playing. Yeah. And honestly, as someone who does not like Sami Zayn very much, I'm enjoying the role he's playing and the work he's doing. So ultimately, it's working. And it may not be the best use of the IC title. And look, when it but, when, ultimately when it comes down to it, when we talk Sami Zayn, as long as him and Kevin are away from each other, we're good. Agreed. We're going to move pretty quick here to the finished Raw Tag Team Championship. Street Profits retain over Angel Garza and Austin Theory. I don't know why you picked Garza and Theory, but I had Profits all the way here. This no, match I, was- I, I picked Garza and Theory, honestly, because it made sense from the Like, if you could have Zelina lead a stable with all the titles. No. Or is, that makes sense. Not with 22-year-old Theory in a second WWE match debuting on Mania. It just wasn't going to happen. I mean, it's, I'm, it's something unique and it's different. Fair enough, but... I again, I just don't see why that but was the fiction, I, but also, I also didn't see coming like the, the, the post match angle well, was great. Let's get to that. So, I thought the match was far too short considering the talent that was in it. It was really exciting. I get it was initially planned as Andrade, so maybe they trimmed it because of that and it was a relatively quick change. But the finish was smart because they made Austin Theory look really good. Um, but the highlight, of course, as you just alluded to. Bianca Belair coming out after Zelina Vega and her guys were attacking the Street Profits, takes out Vega with supreme authority, is lifted on the shoulders by the Street Profits. It's the, you know, even in NXT, Bianca Belair was not with the Street Profits. They weren't a trio, right? Um, This is, I think, I could be wrong, but I think this is the first real teaming up or interaction that she's had with her husband, Montez Ford, in WWE. So I find that interesting because... Just a couple of years ago, they brought up Carmella before they brought up Enzo and Cass. Then they bring up Enzo and Cass, and you're like, man, if they put them back with Carmella. No, no, no. They brought, no, reverse. Is it reverse? Okay. Reverse. All right. Well, they brought them up without her. Then they bring her up. It's like, wow, if they just add her to them and she helps them win the titles, that would be great. That would make total sense. They never did it. And Enzo and Cass fell apart for myriad other reasons. But had they done it, maybe she would have helped Cass get his head on straight. I think they were still together at the time before they broke up, regardless of the, regardless of that. Um, but now you have Belair who does not need the Street Profits and the Street Profits who do not need Belair coming together. My expectation, Jack, and you know we, we don't even need to talk about what happened on this match, but my expectation, Raw after Mania, we're going to see Bianca Belair debut and have a Raw match. Yeah, you know why I like this the most? Like Bianca, her entire NXT run, heel. Street Profits, baby faces. However, I am convinced that people do not want to boo Bianca Belair. They don't. She's they awesome. love her. They yeah. love her. So this was a good decision. Because had they brought her up and like not mentioned that she's Montez's Ford's or Montez Ford's wife, and it just, you know. It would have been awkward, and it just would have been weird. Yeah, this was perfect. Like because people do not want to boo her. I don't I, know that I love that girl. That, I don't. She, I don't know that it would have been that strange. I mean, they it, they've never mentioned Andrade and Charlotte on TV, you know. And granted, they're not husband and wife. Becky and Seth, they did it to force it into a storyline. Yeah, they don't necessarily address. They don't. They haven't uh, addressed uh, Alistair Black and Zelina Vega. So I don't think they would have had to necessarily. But but even I, for I don't Karen, mind it though. I don't mind it for, one bit. 
even from a character standpoint, like pe- like I said, people don't want to boo Bianca. She's great. I agree. And, and I think this is the WWE thought process th- that they had incorrectly with Bobby Roode, where they brought him up. They're like, well, he's seen- everyone sings his theme. They must yeah, love him. Yeah. But no, Bobby Roode's a heel. Bianca's both. Bianca can be a face. She can be a heel. She's equally effective. I don't hate bringing her up as a face. Now, that said, if they decide to push Baszler aside, or if, if they don't decide to put Baszler aside and have her still feud with Lynch, I don't know exactly what Belair is going to do initially. If they do push Baszler aside, Belair kind of needs to be a heel against Becky Lynch. So I don't know what their plan is for her immediately, but I am excited to see her on Raw. That is my expectation that Monday night we will see her. All right, moving quickly here. Uh, Otis beat Dolph Ziggler. Jack, this went exactly as, as I expected in every way. You know, we didn't talk about SmackDown. I thought the reveal was very well done. It was clear that they had not yeah, just why? planned the, lo- the long-term storyline of Otis and Mandy and all that, but they also planned the Ali stuff. They put it together at the right time. It was great. Okay. Uh, two things. Perfect. Tonight. You know, great. Otis kissing Mandy. Maybe Pop jumped off the couch. That was great. Why is Mustafa Ali a creeper? He's not a creeper. He's a hacker. Why is he a hacker? Because he's trying to get the truth out there. It's very in line with his Why? character. It's in line with his character, man. It always. I, it's, I don't it's know. Crazy. I gotta say, I, I'm I'm scared. I'm not. I I'm I liked scared. I liked the presentation of it. I think they paid it off long term. Um, I loved the video package they showed before the match. If this happened in front of a live crowd, it would have gone wild for Otis and Mandy. It would have. Oh gone yeah, this, it would have gone crazy for the, the one moment that. Yeah, it would have gone crazy for the uppercut, the low blow. It would have gone crazy for him picking her up, the kiss, also, one after know, another after another. One last takeaway from this, and then we'll move on. You know what's weird? Dolph Ziggler and Sonya made a nice looking pairing. Yeah. I mean, I think it was weird to like what I saw is like this works. Yeah, I think we'll get a tag, a mixed tag out of this, I would assume. But like is Sonya like Sonya is the manager type. It, it, I, they, they 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 looked good together. It's just weird to break up Mandy and Sonya when they had so far to go. They had a women's tag team championship run in them. They they had all these opportunities. It just feels weird yeah. to break them up women's when they worked team. so well together. They're such a good oil and vinegar type type thing. But it's fine. I mean, I, I like them both as singles performers anyway. And WWE does need to develop more women on SmackDown, so that works for me. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Black against Lashley again, just like Otis and Ziggler. Exactly what I expected. Hard hitting, brutal, really good action between both guys. I liked the finish. I I always want the face to go over cleaner, but Lana getting in Bobby's head and like telling him to stop trying to squeeze him and just end the match and Black immediately countering and taking his head off. It wasn't just strong for Black, but maybe it starts separating Lashley from Lana, which would be good because it's horrible. We got to get over that and get out of it. Also, Bobby Lashley in pants. That was weird. Didn't hate it. It was weird. Didn't hate it. Yeah, it was different, but didn't hate it. Otherwise, Theo Rush tweeted after the match. It was funny. I forgot what it was, but it was a it was like a comment of like, like you should be with me. Like you know, you see what's happening. You know, it was funny. But uh, no, I I I like the aspect of Alistair Black where he could be getting his ass kicked, but all he's got to do is hit that kick one time, and you're done. And by the way, it takes what does it take two? To take down Eric Rowan, but it takes one to take down Lashley. Like, 
Okay, fine. Hey, man, Eric Rowan's a beast. Okay, nah, he's not Bobby Lashley. Uh, Elias beats Baron Corbin. The only thing I liked about this, I like the attack before the bell. I always think that's adds a little bit of juice to the start of the match. Didn't care about it one bit. The roll up, okay. the roll up finish was eye rolling to me. If you're going to have Elias beat Corbin, allow him to win a match. Elias has not won anything of consequence ever. So it's just like if you're going to let him win, let him win. Otherwise, I would have booked Corbin to win. Another wife theory of mine that this is the second one that I I bought into. She tur- I swear to God, she turned to me and she goes, "I think I know what happened." I said, "What?" And she goes, "Gronk wrestled this match. Gronk took on Baron Corbin." They didn't like it. And they had Elias go back out there and just wrestle the match himself because every, the, the, the general assumption was that he put the match together. They did the huge. He almost got killed, Elias. So Gronk steps in, wrestles the match. She goes, I think they did the match and said, no, no, no. We got to train this guy a little more. And then just told Elias, look, just go out there and please wrestle the match. I am, it's not a, gonna, I am not going to agree it, with that one. It's not far-fetched. It's not far-fetched. I, I, they, I'm they, not going did, to agree. But in a taping setting, they did the match and said, nah, this ain't good. I think the um, hosting spots and the 24-7 spots were too obvious and too consistently done for it to have been a change. I don't think. I also don't think he would have beaten Corbin and then won the 24-7 title in two nights. That would have been a little overkill. So. Yeah, but they they also had two like we're we're talking over forty eight hours to change whatever the hell they want. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I yeah, I, that's I what I don't like. Do, it, I it was, don't it, agree. That's but all. it was a completely plausible scenario where uh, they had Gronk wrestle him and just said, "Ah, oh, this ain't great." On that note, uh, Gronk winning the title. You know, Gronk was kind of annoying. Mojo was kind of annoying. Whatever. But, but that title is so worthless anyway that. I had no issue with it. it. Hopefully, it gives WWE some mainstream pub. There's nothing else happening right now, so they had to do the it. Ol- the only it's thing hard. that 24-7 title is worth is for when R-Truth goes into the Hall of Fame. That's one of the highlights. That will be... I, I totally agree with that. That will be a highlight. Uh, Women's Tag Team Championship. That was the first match on the main WrestleMania card on Saturday night. Bliss and Cross win the titles. It was actually a good match. Like All things considered, it was wrestled well, and it was so- somewhat exciting to open the show. But, and this only happened, I think, three times really over the course of the entire WrestleMania. This match, Raw Tag Team Championship match, and there's one other I'm forgetting. The camera cuts were nauseating. There were, there must have been 600 camera cuts during this match. Yeah, Kevin's and they were cool it. they were screaming and grunting. I had, no joke, by the time this match was over, I legitimately had a headache. I also thought it was strange that Alexa missed Twisted Bliss, as she does so often, hits Kyrie on the legs, they leave it in, pins her one, two, three. I don't know why they didn't just redo oh, it. Oh, dude. That they was like, so many spots. That was, like, that was like having that weird angle of Jimmy Uso hitting the crash pad. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. And they left it in. Like, it was a big spot, and he, he hits a crash pad. But they leave it in. It's like well, they, they no, they cut they cut it away. Is what they did. This was well, he, but but yeah, cut away. But like it was obvious that he fell on a crash pad, which is cool if, if right. you have the means. But they, did, but they did that angle in that case but, on purpose to not show the crash pad. On this one, she blatantly missed a move to pin and win the match. She hit her in the knees with with twisted bliss and pinned her one two three. They easily could have redone that. Yeah. I have no. It was the first match. It was blatantly noticeable to me. Thought that was weird. 
Um, I like the Kabuki Warriors. They had a nice run with the titles, even though they didn't defend them a lot. But Bliss and Cross getting the titles and moving them to SmackDown, where there's a lot more women and a lot more women women tag team potential, that's the right decision. I'm fine with that. Also, also I need to see Asuka back in the singles picture and Kyrie Sane as well. So it's fine. And Kyrie. I'm yeah. more excited about it. Like, Asuka's fine. Asuka, no matter what, she's a legend. No matter what you do with Asuka, she's fine. Kyrie, I want to see go on. I want to see go on her own for a little bit. It would be cool. Um, the two kickoff show matches, I, there's really not much to even say, but Liv Morgan beat Natalia and Cesaro beat Drew Gulak with his uh, yeah, no Liv- hand airplane spin slam finisher, which was pretty cool. I, I did think the Liv Morgan Natalia match, it was some good work. And I yeah, was but- really happy to see Liv Morgan go over. Yeah, Cesaro, go ahead. We, we, we all know the main story coming out of the Liv Morgan match wasn't the match itself. What was what was caused the story? A, caused a huge stink on the internet. I don't know why. I didn't see that. Well, I told you guys a few weeks ago this was going to happen. Someone tweeted out a picture of Liv's entrance and said, "Why is she trying to look like Scarlet?" Killer Cross decides to answer. Good question. And then Nia Jax now saw that. Nia Jax said something along the lines of like stay give me an effing break or stay in your effing lane dude but now look scarlet is a beautiful woman and she's gonna make a millions of dollars in wwe we know this but now the problems are already starting and killer cross cannot fuel those flames yeah i mean i don't know scarlet enough to make those comparisons but i do know from what i beautiful blonde girl but from what I've seen about Scarlett, and at least in TNA, she Scar- she was far more exposed and far more raunchy and sexy. Yes. Liv is just a look. And yeah. and one is going to be in NXT and one is going to be on Raw. And I don't oh, give IDGAF I about any of that, honestly, at, at, at now 1254 a.m. But um, my, my th- I you know, care. I like I, I was told that some of the women in WWE were not exactly pleased when Scarlett was signed because they feel threatened by her. She's a diva of old. She's not the what they currently are. You know well, I mean? that yeah, but Scarlett can go in the ring too. Like she's a hybrid, which threatens them to an extent too. All right. Last but not least here, Cesaro and Gulak. It was had the potential to be a really good opening kickoff show match. Way too short. Simple. Yes. Oh it's, God, yeah. If you're gonna six, give me, if you're gonna get like, look, I've seen these guys wrestle in Shikara dozens of times. Like that was, that did not wet my palate for those two. Like that, that, that was not the Shikara special I was looking for. And, and we're gonna wrap this instant analysis of WrestleMania 36 up with one more DM slide from Rodney Spangler at Spangler Rod. And it's a question that was asked by a number of listeners, and I appreciate everyone sending this in. Very simple. Should two-night WrestleManias be the norm? And you know what, Jack? You're shaking your head no, but it's interesting. There are positives and negatives to it. How do you sell people on this? Well, well, the negatives are this. You're asking people to buy two tickets, yeah. come to the stadium for two nights, um, spend a probably a lot more money in merch, an additional night of hotel. There are a lot of things that will prevent that from happening. The positive, though, is WWE is so stacked 
that if they took away TakeOver and they put like three big NXT matches on Mania and they gave us a 16 or even an 18 match card split over two nights, there's plenty of talent for it to be well built and good and effective. So it's not really so much can they do it? They definitely can. They could make it work, but it's will they? And for the we- reasons and for the reasons of tickets and all the expectations travel to travel in cities Lodging. where in cities where getting to the stadium is difficult, like in New York or like yeah. a Los Angeles, it is going to be very difficult to sell people to go to two nights of WrestleMania. And if you don't sell out the stadium both nights, or you don't come close to doing it, or you split it, and in an eighty thousand seat stadium, you sell two nights of sixty five thousand tickets, it's going to look really bad. So because of all of that, yeah. I think it will stay with one night, but. This was a unique experiment, and they did the right decision this year. They made the right call this year doing two nights. It was entertaining. It got us excited. Um, and they were able to put on 18 matches, the vast majority of which, Jack, were quality and or entertaining. It was. This was a quality WrestleMania. I loved it just about every second of it, but no, you can't. It's too much to ask because lodging, like I said, big cities too. Everything is more expensive, and it's more expensive when a big event's going on. So you can't ask you, and especially when these things go on sale, which is around Survivor Series time, November, you can't ask these people to pony up these prices right? for something like, well, what's the card? Well, we don't know. Who wins the Royal Rumble? Well, we don't know. And by the way, especially next year, coming out of what could be a depression, what could be a recession. Next year would be the absolute wrong time. Two years from now, maybe, (laughs) but not next year. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Like there's going to be a lot of people, unfortunately, like pinching pennies and you can't, you can't do something like that. But for this year, closing thoughts, WWE, you deserve all the credit in the world. And thank you so, so much for doing what you did. That that is the truth. I mean, you know, in these difficult times, no question, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but we are looking for new, fresh entertainment to take us away from what's going on. And WWE, for any criticisms you want to throw at them for doing it in the first place, for four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday, I did not think once about coronavirus oh. or or where I'm gonna get my food the next day or, or what's gonna happen. I thought about professional wrestling. I had moments that were, again, WrestleMania moments. So when you say to me, hey, ultimately, what do you think about the job WWE did? They did a good job. They delivered for their fans. They delivered for their stock owners, the people invested in their company. And they delivered for the wrestlers who got paychecks because they were able to compete in this show. And they added additional matches to make that happen. So You have to give kudos to WWE as much as you may not like the company, as much as you may not like certain decisions they've made, or if you don't like Vince McMahon anymore, and you disagree with some of the booking decisions. Ultimately, we got some unique shit, and it was just, it was just good shit. Okay. As, as Dean Ambrose said, John Moxley, as Vince McMahon, the boss doll said, good shit, pal. It's good shit, pal. It really was. Um, and the fact that they delivered this. Honestly, to me, it's a now, bit stu- it's a before, bit stunning. Before we leave these people, these fine people that are listening to this, any big surprise for tomorrow? Like anything to make it seem like they they did their best to make this seem like a WrestleMania. 
is there anything tomorrow that they will do to make it seem like a Raw after WrestleMania? Well, this is what I'm going to tell you. It's, inter- it's a really good question. The last two Raw after WrestleManias have not seemed like Raw after WrestleManias. They've actually kind of sucked because I've been in attendance for them. Uh, two years ago, I think Bobby Lashley returned. That was the big moment. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, it, <laughs> it was a total shrug. Last year, I can't even think of something that stood out to me as having happened. So the the Raw after Manias have not been overly special recently. And in this particular case, no. I don't think we're going to get that feeling. I think I, we'll get some type of coronation for Drew. Maybe there will be balloons and, and yeah. flyers and stuff like that. We'll see Bianca Belair debut and be in a match. Maybe there will be another one or two NXT call-ups, particularly considering they're in Orlando and it just is easier to do it in la- for, for lack of other storylines to say, oh, hey, this person's debuting. we got some new blood. So I do think there is the possibility for that. But when you think Raw after WrestleMania back in the day, you think of things that make you go, holy crap, that was even better than WrestleMania. We're not going to get anything like that. I think you're re- I think what you should do, given the, given the location, and the circumstances, I think you stay the course of what you maybe would have done. I think you recreate history. And when Drew McIntyre is going through his coronation, who shows up to kick the hell out of him? Adam Cole. The same guy. That'd be the great. same guy that did it in Brooklyn. Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick. You still go with that, Adam. You still go with the Undisputed Era show. The, the, the night Drew McIntyre won that title in Brooklyn, Adam Cole came out and kicked him in the face. We never got that match. Now you have Adam show up and say, now I'll get you here for that WWE championship, and I'll be a, I'll be Adam two belts or what, and then figure out the NXT title stuff from there. Well, you have Velveteen Dream beat, beat him in three weeks. Or have have, have him match. beat him, but then have Adam go. Or you so have... Maybe Adam Cole is... He he would be he and the undisputed era would be a great. That's actually a perfect booking, um, because what you can have is you can have Drew show up on NXT in three weeks, cost him the title to Dream. Uh-huh. Now they're in a feud. Cole's their first challenger. And I you're would just recreate around. the whole Brooklyn thing all over again. Have the undisputed era beat the hell out of Drew. If you do something like that, that would that would constitute a big Raw after Mania. But yep. are they going to do that with an uncertain future looming? Apparently they have plans. We don't know. So that that is still to be determined. But um, WrestleMania was great. If they can deliver a Raw after Mania that gets us hyped again, that will be awesome, too. But um, what does get me hyped is that you guys have made it over an hour and a half listening to this instant analysis edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Folks, it has been a whirlwind of a first few weeks of this pod. I appreciate Jack Crosby joining me today at CBS. On Twitter, you can follow me at Silverstein Adam. You can follow the podcast at Getting Overcast. Don't forget, if you're a first-time listener, subscribe, hit the button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to find wrestling audio. And if you made it this far, which I know most of you did, because you all you always talk to me about things that are said at the end of the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts again. Five-star review. Leave um, some words of encouragement, some some things you love about the show. Let people know why they should listen and have this continue to be the fastest growing wrestling podcast in the world. Once again, thank you all for listening. I hope you very much enjoyed 
WrestleMania 36. I'm exhausted. I'm slurring my words. Jack, thanks again for joining me. Just got three words left for everyone. Bye for now. <laughs>